space anime. Hi, hello, it's me, Ty Tuesday, and with me again is Giap and Kuvo. Hello, hello, Stop. hello. Hello. Hi. Uh, so we watched episodes 8 to 12, and uh, yeah, fuck, fuck it. Kuvo, take us away. Uh, there was some there's some good stuff happening. So uh, episode 8 uh, starts off with the narrator kind of giving us an explanation of how we got to the whole Free Planet Alliance Galactic Empire stuff. Uh, apparently humans got in the space around the year 2500 or so. Uh, they started a galactic federation as they, you know, kind of went out into the stars. And then uh, one day there's this cool dude named Rudolph Goldbaum, and he decides that uh, he doesn't like any of that and decides to make himself the, ke- the Kaiser, the king, big guy. Emperor, yeah, yep. he decides to be the dictator, yes. Yeah, and so another guy by the name of Ale Heineson. <laughs> Heineken, says, Heineken. Yes. it's Heineken mm-hmm. Ale, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yes. He uh, he thinks this is a bunch of BS, and some other like-minded people decide to get in their spaceships and fly to the other side of the galaxy. And the anime eventually goes into more detail than this, but at this point, that's all you really need to know. Um, so, the Galactic Empire is, uh, sorry, let me say, it. my notes are all fucked up here. After all the narrator stuff is done, um... We got to a scene of the Galactic Empire being kind of upset that they lost Izzelhorn. Um, there was a war council of these three high super senior general guys, and they're all like, well, this is going to cost us our jobs, but we got to go tell yeah, the uh, Kaiser. Yeah, they're all like still dealing with the flack from the fact that they lost the big orb. Like Everyone's kind of super pissed about that because yeah. it was a huge choke point thing. Yeah, They literally it- dropped the ball. <laughs> there you go. Fuck. Um, and not only are they upset about losing the Isilhorn Fortress, but they're also really pissed off that uh, Oberstein had the audacity not to die to a giant laser and came back. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they're all mulling this over, and during the meantime, Oberstein happens to show up to uh, Reinhardt. So um, Reinhardt goes into the uh, building, or where, yeah, Oberstein goes into the building where Reinhardt's there, and uh, he's like, listen, I need to tell you some really important shit. You gotta leave, get everybody to leave. And uh, Kilki Ice is there, and Reinhardt says, uh, you know, Kilki Ice is the same person as me. You should, if you uh, can say it to Kilki Ice, yeah. you can say it to me, just straight up. And, man, Machiavelli and Garfield is just real as fuck in this scene. I kind of love it. Like, he's just like, well, I'm going to tell you some stuff, and I just wanted to make sure, you know, it's just it's just you and me. And he's like, what are you going to say, man? He's like, man, fuck the old guard. Fuck these old idiots. Like, <laughs> let's fucking overthrow these dipshits. I know you fucking want to. Everyone knows you want to. I want to be your dirty boy. I want to do the gross shit for you. If we need somebody dead or we need some something stolen, I want to be your dirty boy. Because I, mean, I can, I can do that for you. Do all the yeah, I, I will gladly be your dirty boy. It, it's and that's what Machiavellian Garfield did. We see kind of an insight to Overseen's character. Not only is he very, uh, he's like kind of real politic about the whole deal. But he also has a good judge of character. Like, he knows, I don't know if he did an investigation or if he just has, you know, the innate ability. But he kind of can see through Reinhardt at this point. And um, so Reinhardt kind of immediately tells Kilke Ice to take him, you know, under arrest because, you know, he's obviously plotting treason. I think he kind of did that as a kind of get a read on what Oberstein really wanted to do. And Oberstein, uh, I also assume, kind of knew this. So he just says, just straight up shoot me. Like he's committed to the cause. And that kind of wins over Reinhardt's you know, trust, I guess. Not so much trust, but he sees him as useful. And so um, he kind of t- 
tells he tells Cookie Ice not to take him under arrest and says, listen, I don't really trust you or expect any loyalty, but you're going to be useful for me. You're going to do the deeds if needed. You will be my dirty boy. Yeah. Also, I just want to point out that um, as soon as Kirchhoff walks back to the room and uh, Reinhardt tells him to pull his gun on Overstein, he has the gun out in like three frames. It's just... <laughs> He's a quick draw. Like Kirsch kill him. Okay. So uh, we get a cut back to the three war chiefs um, handing in their resignation. Uh, the Kaiser is kind of, again, not too caring about any of this. He doesn't really give a shit too much. But he then offers Reinhardt one of the three positions of his choosing. Reinhardt says, uh, kind of in a political power play here, says he doesn't want a stolen position. He's fine where he's at. Um, the war chiefs see this, and they think it's kind of brown nosing but they also realize yeah. that he's up and coming and realize what he's doing yeah they're kind of like they're like man what a load of horseshit he's just clearly trying to win favors down the road and then like one of the other ones is like yeah but i mean like it's the right move and they're like well yeah no of course it's the right move but like man fuck this kid <laughs> <laughs> they see the writing on the table and they know what's gonna happen but they're like well there's not much mm-hmm. we can do about it uh so after this all we get a flashback to uh uh Ryan and Kil- or we get Ryan and Kilkeyes start talking about justice and the meaning of it. Kilkeyes says he doesn't trust Oberstein, which is understandable. Reinhardt says he doesn't really trust him either, but he needs yeah, a guy like, like that. Uh, well, he's like, yeah, we just need a dirty boy. We've yeah. been over this. Yeah. We just need- you can't be the dirty boy, Kilkeyes. You're too pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they get a flashback of um, Reinhardt and Kilkeyes as youths, like running through a town, and I guess they were out past curfew or something, but... They see yeah. a noble dude. They see in the a girl street. getting assaulted. Yeah. yeah, in the streets, and uh, <laughs> Reinhardt do not... beats him on the back of the head with a two by four, which is yeah, uh, great. Just... Holy shit! Yeah, Reinhardt likes to hit people with objects. He finds like <laughs> that seems to be his calling card is just improvised a blunt object to the head. I think he may have some anger issues. I'd like Maybe to think. That, I'd like to think that he just goes out at night and beats up nobles at random, and this is just like one of a myriad of times. He's the Batman. just like, dude, you can't keep doing this. You're gonna get in trouble. So after he uh, beats up the guy assaulting the woman, he and Kilkeyes kind of have a powwow about how they feel about justice because they kind of like fell down in front of a statue of the old Goldblum guy. And he's like, I really hate Goldblum. I hate the fact that nobles are taking advantage of their position of power without any have. None of them have merit. It's all bullshit. And he wants to overthrow it. it the last scene of the episode is the Kaiser guy. He's out in a garden chopping some roses up or something. And it's like subordinate dude comes up and tells him that there's rumors and such that Reinhardt has, has his sights set on overthrowing him. Yeah, every apparently it's just like it's a very open secret. Like everyone knows Reinhardt is probably gunning to overthrow the em- you know the emperor. Or yeah, whatever. and the like, emperor's like, yeah, just, I know it's cool. Yeah, he's like, whatever, man. I'm old. This dynasty is starting to fall apart. Like, yeah, he's really checked out about the whole thing. Yeah, like he really doesn't care. Like he's just kind of like, whatever, man. I've lived a good life, and like, man, our dynasty kind of sucks ass. Actually, maybe this kid will do pretty well. Fuck it, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like seventy. I don't fucking care. It's funny because. That that scene right there where he just is checking out segues into the next episode, episode nine, where the narrator starts and like seriously the first words out of the narrator's mouth are the current Kaiser is kind of a dipshit. He's okay. He hasn't done anything bad, but he's, he's only a nice yeah, guy, but he's like, pretty stupid. Yeah, they call him like the mediocre Kaiser. Like <laughs> yeah. Kaiser of mediocrity. Like everyone's like <laughs> I mean, 
shit didn't get worse. Shit didn't really get better. And they explain his backstory. And his backstory more or less is like, he was one of a few brothers. He didn't really want to be king. Like, he was just kind of like, you know what? I'm cool just being a noble and fucking ladies and, like, drinking beer. And I don't give a shit. And both of his brothers, like, tried to assassinate their father. Yeah, the older brother plotted to murder his father. Got exiled and killed for it. The second brother was found out to have framed the first brother. and got killed Mm -hmm. fleeing to the free planet (laughs) alliance. And so his dad is on his deathbed. It's like, well, I guess my third dipshit son gets the (laughs) dynasty. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, so dynastic lines and having things be familial has, in fact, uh, backfired in a major way. Yeah. Um, we cut to some new character. Well, one old character and one new character. So there's a guy named Brunsteg, I think. Bronsteg? Bronsteg. He looks like Samuel Adams, like the dude on the front of the beer bottle. And he has a nephew who we saw in the prequel movie, the bowl cut guy named Flegel, which by the name is a fantastic name. And uh, these two guys are, of course, up to their scheming. Um they both kind of hate Ryan, and it's kind of mutual because Ryan hates both of them. Um, there is a party in the planning of the beginning of this episode where I guess the Emperor is going to show up and there's going to be drinks and all that. And there's this old guy named Klopstock who apparently used to be big in the political scene but has had a falling out in recent years. And the guy has a chip on his shoulder with uh, concerns to the dynasty of um, the Kaiser. Of the Golden Blown. Yeah. Yeah, and like... It's clear that he got ousted in some political bullshit. Like, it was just some kind of garbage here there to oust this old man. And, yeah, he's uh, well, he, clearly um, up to something. Like, people recognize him, too. They're like, what the fuck is that outcast doing here? Like, well, hey, yeah. what's that guy for? He was ousted, but I, I forget if they mentioned it earlier in the episode, but it's also like his son died in the war or something, and he really is angry about the king about it as well. Yeah, I think that was his major motivation. I mean, aside from the political ostracization, Mm -hmm. but... um, So, they're planning this big party, and it sort of cuts to everybody showing up at the party. We meet a couple more new characters here. Uh, We run into a woman by the name of Westfall? Westfall. Westfall. I put Westfall on my sheet, because... Lady lady Stroopwaffle. Yeah, there we Mm -hmm. go. Um, she chats outside when uh, Reinhardt and Kilkeice are going into the party, and uh, it's pretty obvious she has the hots for Kilkeice to his. Uh, I don't know. He didn't seem to really react at all. I think she was very just set being on Anna Rose, yeah. and everyone else mm-hmm. is just completely out of the picture. And it's great because Ryan even is just like, "Yeah, man, maybe you should go talk to her alone a little bit more. Hmm, maybe <laughs> consider that. Come on, hey, look at hey, look at me." fucking talk to her jesus and he's kirk yes just is having none of it he's just like yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah kirsch is just like dude i showed up at this party dressed like a pirate i just want to stay outside <laughs> yeah, and look at reddit on my laptop everybody else is like showing up in their dress uniforms and shit and he's got this like double vest thing going mm-hmm. on yeah, neck- like suspenders and shit yeah. <laughs> it's just wacky as fuck his outfit is so not in line with everyone else's it's like he it's like someone's playing a prank on him or something Oh, yeah, it's going to be a pirate party. You show up, it'll be great. And then it's just like black tie formal and you're dressed like a fucking pirate. It's like that episode of Bar Rescue, but like backwards. Oh, I love it. So um, they go inside and then uh, I guess at some point Reinhardt and uh, what's his name? I, call, I kept putting a bull cut in my notes here. Flegel. <laughs> Flegel. Uh, they talk about a 
or a picture on the wall that was donated by, I think, Klopstock at the beginning of the thing. And they're talking about how the picture goes between different hands. And it may not be, you know, even though Klopstock is out of the political scene at this point, it could be anybody else in the future. And uh, they kind of have some verbal sparring for a bit and kind of pisses off Flegel. I also have the note Klopstock does a keg stand. I don't think he actually does that. We were <laughs> we were talking about how Klopstock was going to do a keg stand. I think we were he, talking more about how uh, the guy looked like Sam Adams there. That too, yeah. <laughs> we might have been talking about how boring the party looked as well. Yeah. <laughs> like how it was the most boring party in history. It was just a bunch of nobility kind of standing around talking to each other. Like not really drinking enough and not yeah. really doing anything. It I think just, they, were all, yeah, yeah. It's a, they were all waiting like for the emperor to show up. I think, which was the main exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and everybody's just like, "Fucking, will someone do a keg stand, please? <laughs> yeah. Will Will someone set up a pong table or something?" <laughs> yeah, and I think after that they figure out. Uh, Reinhardt was talking to Westfall or whatever. That lady said that the Kaiser wasn't coming. Like he just went home. Yeah. Like, at this point, Klopstock had already stepped out. Yeah. And it seems like he was going home because he maybe pre-game too hard. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were like, yeah, he's, he started coming over, but then he had like a stomach problem. Who knows what it could have been, you know? Could have been anything. Yeah, it was before this. Yeah, Jeff brought up a point that the uh, Klopstock guy left. And uh, he was carrying a cane earlier, and he left without it. And the cane was obviously a bomb from our point of view. No one else knew, though. Mm-hmm. So... um Kirkia sees this. He somehow has an epiphany that it's kind of weird and tries to go into and warn Reinhardt. Um, as this is happening, uh, there's a flashback of Klapstock getting angry because they tried to pollute the bloodline of the... Uh, he, his motivation, like there's a flashback of him trying to get his motivation. Is He used to be very popular. This shows like pictures of him in a foyer with like a giant painting of him being all cool with a gun and a ferret or something. Pheasant. And, uh, yeah, it, one interesting thing that I remember and you, I saw you have in your notes and it seems pretty important is when Kirk, uh, like goes to run in to warn everybody. He doesn't pull rank on the other soldiers, despite the fact that he could easily be like, hi, I'm Kilkeyes, yeah. the vice admiral. So if you could just get the fuck out of my way, I don't know if that says dope. more to his humility or his stupidity. Yeah, it it seems like he should have just done it in this case. Yeah. It's kind of a weird scene how this happens. For whatever reason, some old woman things and Reinhardt... Uh, so, somebody throws her. an old lady at Reinhardt. <laughs> yeah, it looked like it. She just zips in from off frame. Yeah, so they are trying to find a place for to put down this lady. And um, Reinhardt knows there's a bench where the cane is being left. I love this. It's like a 15-foot-long bench, and there's like a cane at the far end, and Reinhardt's like, get this fucking cane out of here. (laughs) Yeah, so some page boy goes and takes the cane away. They put the the, uh, old lady down the bench, and they're trying to get her to come around, and then the cane explodes. Um, And it is some space future explosives, because even mm -hmm. though it's in the wrong room, it like takes the goddamn building down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is a lot. That, I mean, that I Butler was a fine mist. <laughs> yeah, he was not doing so hot after that. Um, Kilky Ice breaks into the building when they see all these explosions go off. Um, they find it's funny because he finds Reinhardt, who's mostly okay. I mean, he's like roughed up, but he's fine for the most part. And like, he doesn't bother looking around or helping anyone else. He just kind of sits there with them. And he's then, like, "Oh, thank God you're okay, man." And then fucking Westphal walks up with a <laughs> bottle, and she's just like. <laughs> 
Oh, you live too. Want a drink? And it's like, oh god, yes, please. Yo, dude, <laughs> shots. In the meantime, Sam, Ad- Sam Adams is looking over at the uh, painting that was gifted to him on the wall, the expensive one, and it's all burning down. And uh, Westfall makes a, like a jab at it, like, I like the artistic merit of this or whatever, as it just goes up in flames. <laughs> wow, that's symbolism. He's like, yeah, it sucks that a bunch of people died, but uh, <laughs> look at that shit. <laughs> Pretty good, huh? Yeah. So the, one of the security guys comes in and asks... Uh, anyone if they know who do this which is kind of weird you would think you'd be evacuating people and tending to the wounded but he is immediately like i want to know who's up and um kilkei says he had an idea so it cuts to the outside of klopstock's mansion his butler guy comes in and tells him the bomb plot has failed he is uh resigned to die at this point he's realizes his time's up so uh yeah. he sets his entire building on fire and shoots himself is not having a, a good day yeah. like, it seems weird too that he's just like it's like yeah the bomb didn't work out and he's like well time to die like yeah. <laughs> that was my one attempt i guess yeah i mean like the end if you come at the king you better not miss and i think he yeah that going i think into he it. assumes that he's busted and yeah. that he's gonna get caught like that's the only real way i could you know see see that logic but it does make sense yeah and the narrator at the end of this says something to the effect of the last so seven or some odd kings or whatever had been tried to assassinate his attempts but like the actual number of real attempts is unknown because i guess shit like this just goes down all the time and no one knows about yeah, it Yeah, just nobles are just killed like on the regular like yeah. just for political reasons all the time like it just it kind of insinuates that like this isn't always problem like i mean for fuck's sake they literally talking about how the kaiser had like Two attempts to be murdered by his own sons. Like, it's just kind of a thing that occurs. It seems, though, like, from the way that the narrator phrased it, this is a thing that is becoming more and more common as the time goes on. Like, the political unrest is rising. It's getting worse. Especially with the mediocre Kaiser. It seems like everybody's kind of looking for, you know, their chance to step up, their chance to be, you know, a big enough influence to take over since he sucks. Yeah, politically, like, it seems these more recent Kaisers haven't been as strong, so it's breeding ground for more people to try to overthrow them. Mm-hmm. So uh, episode 10 hops over to the Free Planet Alliance side. We are <laughs> we have an opening with the fattest airplane on Earth. Uh, yeah, and it's not, like, loaded tightly with seats. It's just there's, like, a basketball court <laughs> worth of lane between both sides of the airplane. <laughs> yeah. Um, we see that Yang and Julian are kind of on a break a reprieve vacation they don't it's not work related um they're in some other city on planet Heinland, and uh they're i guess they're just gonna go chill because it's this old college town he was in i think so uh he's at the airport and he gets paparazzi immediately because he's now a big hero and he gets involuntarily photo opt uh i yeah. guess there is a some, politician some who random yeah. Some random motherfucker just runs up to him uh, and is basically just like, oh, Yang, you're the hero. Can I shake your hand? You know, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as he grabs his hand, like, fucking yanks him over to be, like, in front of him in a good position, shaking his hand as he talks to the camera and is just like, here's my good friend Yang. P.S. Bomb the Arabs. Oh, wait, what? Sorry, wrong. <laughs> also, wrong here's reality. A, also, <laughs> here's a, also, here's a war orphan. Let's yeah. go do a bunch of war. Trust us. It'll yeah, be great. So, and yeah, it turns out he's a horrible warmongering beast. And he just pulled Yang in to try and, like, you know, get, like, pretend that Yang supported him. And also they talk about how, um, oh, I forgot his name, the Secretary of Defense. 
Um, Trunic. Trunic, yeah. Yeah, Trunic, how Trunic was clearly the one that like scheduled the flight and everything and knew when he was going to land. And, yeah, you know, he yeah, passed like, the info. He, yeah, he was just kind of like, fucking Trunit just set me up, son of a bitch. Like, now now everyone thinks I want to support this fucking war, you know, warmongering dipshit. Like, yeah, it was, it seemed bad. It seemed yeah, bad. and the entire time, Yang was not happy about any of this. He realized he got duped almost immediately, but, like, you can't pull yourself out of conversations like that on camera. So, so it cuts to him. Uh, he and Julian are checking into their hotel. I have Yang wear shoes on bed. He, yeah, but I mean, who cares? It's not his bed. Like, fuck it. If you're just gonna like, if you're gonna jump on a bed once, they're gonna clean it as soon as you leave. Hopefully, anyway. So uh, he's uh, chilling at the hotel room, and he gets a knock on the door, and Julian goes to answer it, and in barges a couple of men who are quite angry at the fact that he was with this pro-war politician. And uh, they kind of just try to rough him up a bit, but they realize uh, that Jessica is with them. And this is a group of people from Jessica's anti-war party who she is, I guess, uh, canvassing for, political, working politically for. Mm-hmm. And um, she is upset that he did this, but he kind of explains the situation. And, and uh, her friends are kind of like, we should get him to help, but she kind of puts the axe on that. Um, yeah, like the, one of them just kind of grabs him and like does the same shit. Like it's kind of like, here, shake my hand. We'll use photos. We can like neutralize it, hopefully. And uh, Jessica's like, no, we go high, they go low, which historically has done super worked. great. Yeah, always worked. We go high, they go low. Almost always, you. It's win like they say, way. nice guys finish first in politics. <laughs> yeah, you know, democracy is built on going high when your <laughs> opponents go low. Yeah, <laughs> great. So, well, <laughs> they discuss the war party work she's been doing for a while. I voted um, for the good guy party. <laughs> uh, she leaves, and as she's leaving, like Yang is going to ask her a question, but then kind of says, forget it. And after she does leave, Julian makes fun of him, because I guess the entire reason they came here is because Yang wanted to see her, but kind of pussied out right there. Yeah, didn't say anything about it. Yeah, like didn't go like, hey, so... I'm here for you, actually. Like, he just keeps acting like, oh, I had to be here for, you know, some other thing the entire yeah. time. They go out to dinner. Um, apparently, it's some restaurant that uh, Yang knows of. And even though he was there as a youth, I guess, like, now, everybody, since he's a big war hero, is treating him differently. Um, there's people at the diner that ask him for his autograph. Uh, they try to sing the war anthem, or I guess the national anthem for them. And this just really pisses him off. I think it's, I don't know if he's because his privacy is being invaded or if he just doesn't like the fact that they're all starting to go really nationalistic because they won the fortress. They all seem like, yeah, like it, it seems like he's very opposed to these people acting like he's a hero for doing war good because yeah. he hates war. Like he's not big on it. He's like, if you want to celebrate the fact that no one died, kick ass. Don't act like, yeah, great, now we can go take the fight to them. Like, no, please, no. I'd really rather not take the fight to them is kind of like Yang's whole shit. And everybody's fucking it up all the time around him. Like, it seems like a big part of this is, you know, he he was all excited because the capture of Israelone Fortress, like, meant the war would probably be over. They could negotiate peace. But, of course, now it's being, you know, leveraged. And he sees the writing on the wall that it's being used as all right, we have the advantage. Now we can take him out. And he's like, no, no, please, no, please, please, no, no, we can't actually. It's weird thinking about this because like from a lot of, this is talked about in some of the later episodes we saw, but like from a political perspective, a lot of the 
Free Planet Alliance people feel that they're in the right for trying to take down the dictatorship-ish government like that. So even mm-hmm. though the Galactic Empire really hasn't infringed on the Free Planet Alliance's stuff, they feel that they have some sort of duty to capture the fortress and to take the fight back, even though they're in no real position to do so. And even though they're... Yeah, like, they're the weaker side, but they are still completely insistent on being the world police. Yeah. Yeah. So they leave the diner. Um, they see that some of the uh, our good old friends, the PKC, are uh, just beating up some dude. Uh, they find out that this guy is part of the anti-war political party that Jessica was part of. So he sends Julian home and brings this guy to the HQ where Jessica's at. Well, he doesn't actually send Julian home. He just kind of bails on him. <laughs> yeah. he, call, he calls up a cab, hops it's like in a with Johnny the dude, cab. and drives off. Yeah, so he brings it to the HQ. Um, they And the uh, anti-war people don't trust him at this point because they don't know. They We actually, uh, the, when they started doing the photo ops and like actually talking to Yang was later. That it happens after this. Oh, but yeah. <clears throat> when he runs in, they still, like, their response is like, what the fuck did you do to him? Because they thought, like, he would do. I guess he beat this guy up <laughs> and then carried him <laughs> in, which isn't really what you usually do. You don't, like beat a guy up and then carry him back to his house and like be like hey this guy's friends i beat your friend up fuck at, you and then how just badly like, I messed this dude up <laughs> <laughs> hey look at me bitch just <laughs> fucked up your friend a bunch what's up fight me like no one does that <laughs> so uh they start talking about um they start talking about more of how this war situation is bad or the yeah they start talking about how they got into this whole situation with uh, the HQ stuff. Um, they kind of take a walk outside towards the old college grounds where they uh, used to go to school. And there's a flashback of him and Lap at college. Um, they're talking about how they were only doing it for the GI Bill. And Lap kind of gives Yang shit because he's always studying or I don't know if it's studying, but he's just watching TV all the time. <laughs> it's for watching history documentaries instead of trying to go get laid, yeah. is what it really is, yeah. So uh, they they go to, I guess there's a school conservatorium or something on campus, and Lap's showing off this lady who happens to be Jessica playing the piano. And he and Yang go to a dance where she is there with the intent, because they both have, I guess... It's weird how this is set up because it's obvious that Lap from the beginning has her, his sights set on Jessica, but I don't think that like Yang figured out who she was until later. Like when they're at the dance, it doesn't really seem like he's doing it because he wants to be there. Yeah, it seems like he's just helping out his friend for the most part. Yeah, so they they go out the dance. Yang is all left feet, and uh, he kind of sets it up for Lap to go out with this lady. But they uh, cut back, and Jessica says that if Yang had made moves on her, she would have gone for him instead of Lap, but he was, like, too good of a guy for his buddy. Um, mm-hmm. It gets to an emotional moment because they almost kiss, but then she, like, kind of... They kind of get broken out of it because there is a bomb going off downtown that happens to be close to where the HQ was. And, in fact, not only is it close to where the HQ was... It is the HQ that was being blown up. It was just a gas leak. These things happen. So the the anti-war headquarters is bombed. Um, This is disastrous for their political party, but it's good in the fact that the political polls have swung to them like drastically. Like after eighty percent, it went from being like. 
55-45 to being like 80-20. Yeah, it was stated earlier that they were running with a slight lead until Yang fucked up and went to that bad photo op in the airport. But after Mm -hmm. their headquarters got bombed, like I guess there was a lot of swing sympathy votes to them. Well, it was at this yeah. point we didn't really um, – we just know about the explosion. And they say, oh, um, what is it? It's at the end of the episode, Yang is trying to get back on a plane. And they said, so, uh, Yang, by the way, have you heard about the approval poll swinging up 80%? Oh, yeah. And he's like – Yeah, he gets slammed by paparazzi. Again. Yeah, That's and they right, said, yeah. what do you think about the 80% approval rating for um, uh, Jessica, who's now running for the political party? He's like, what? <laughs> yeah, he didn't seem yeah. too happy – not too happy, but he – I don't know if he was concerned about it. He seemed kind of dumbfounded, really. He seemed concerned. He seemed a little upset that yeah. Jessica was running. Like he, it was kind of like after everything had happened, maybe he was hoping she would just like chill and retire and be comfortable. And then like, no, no, especially because no. she's stepping in Jessica's for a dude. Real as fuck. She's stepping in for a dude who blew up. So <laughs> literally, just blew up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she's just kind of like, hmm. Well, looks like my time to step in. And it's like, no, please, no. I don't but, know if she uh, did it with any ambition. It's probably because she felt that she was. Like either the yeah. right candidate or like was forced on into the position. Yeah, but Jessica seems like just a lady who is willing. She, she seems ambitious enough. Like she seems like she's has care and resolve about the situation. Yeah, from what it's like, like she the, did. We did meet her one time when she just like walked up to basically the president, the Secretary of Defense, you know, and just kind of was like, "Where were you, motherfucker?" Like clearly, she's got some strong will. Yeah. So uh, that's the end of that one. On to episode 11, we jump back over to the Empire. The narrator starts off with saying that the Kaiser uh, has kind of been a, a ladies' man from the beginning. Like, he had no real sight set on being the Kaiser, and he just kind of womanized and... I think they use the word debauchery <laughs> during his youth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just mentioned that he just kind of, like, fucked around. Like, yeah. he wasn't training to be a political leader. He wasn't studying the law. Like, again, he planned on being... What, like the lazy son he's like yeah someone else can be king that sounds like some hot bullshit i'm just gonna fuck yeah. <laughs> thanks they also at this point dropped the note that it wasn't actually the kaiser who found anna rose it was a staff member mm-hmm. and that's just- yeah so someone literally was just like rolling down the street one day and he's like whoa look at the gams on that babe gotta <laughs> pass this news along to the old kaiser gotta gotta pass this along to horn dog i'm gonna get a promotion <laughs> that must have been a really awkward talk God, yeah. Like, how do you present that? Just like, would you just roll in and be like, Kaiser, I found you a hot babe. <laughs> would you like? Would you care to know more? She's only yes, 15, of course. I'd like to I know listen. more. So I was out yeah. scouting oh, yeah, the market. Also, also, yeah, she is like 15, so that's a little fucked mm-hmm. up. We'll probably have to like consider how we handle that. Oh, I'm Kaiser. I'll fucking. Oh, I don't give a shit. Like, oh, great. Yeah. So the reason the narrator was setting this all up is because since he has fucked around so much, he has many. uh scorned lovers i guess you could say prior escorts or consorts or whatever you want to call them i guess just mistress yeah. kind of sort of yeah, yeah just kind of like a concubine. mistress situation honestly yeah like it, just his prior lovers mm-hmm. more yeah. or less and the one that they introduce is i have is Susanna benamude is that right yeah. Benamude, yeah, Benamude, something something like that. That, yeah and um she is quite upset at the fact that I guess she was the previous one before Anna Rose showed up on the scene, and she is quite upset mm-hmm. with the fact that Anna Rose had taken away all the limelight, from, you know, stuff from her. Yeah, and it seems like she just kind of got relegated to like a cabin, basically. Like it was just kind of like, here, have a very small mansion. Now fuck <laughs> off. Like yeah. we're done. You're done here. Fuck off. And like, it seems like everybody kind of knows too. Like 
oh, there was the prior bride of, you know, the emperor, so she ain't shit. Who gives a fuck? Like, it, she used to be somebody. She does not matter at all now. Like, she doesn't have the king's ear anymore, so people stopped respecting her as much. And she seems pretty um, deliriously sure that Anna Rose is somehow controlling the king and caused her to get jilted. So Yeah, yeah she's a bit delusional about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as one yeah, does, she, they... she's convinced she was his true love and like all that shit, and is just convinced that yeah, she was like witchcraft or something, just like this little fucking witch is scheming. That's all she is, and like repeatedly just like little slut, like fucking like yells names. Yeah, she's kind of like, crazy. Is, she is crazy mad. Like yeah. for the record, I just want to be perfectly clear. This is very, very openly and clearly not like. Man, I'm pretty disappointed about this situation. Yeah, it's she's like, pretty vindictive. My life's goal is to murder this child. Like, that is it. <laughs> so uh, she uh, contacts Bullcut Flegel, and uh, they are plotting. <laughs> I'm just going to use the name Bullcut because he's has a fucking Yeah, let's call him Bullcut. <laughs> like, that's what he is. <laughs> he, uh, gets a con- she gets in contact with Flegel, um, and they uh, plot to take care of Anna Rose. And they kind of leave that open-ended of what that means, but they obviously want her out of the picture. Mm-hmm. And I love how a bull cut gets into his car immediately and says, "Well, I'm going to screw her over." <laughs> yeah, after her after the meeting with her, he gets and tells his like second in command or whatever is like, "Yeah, we got to pin her for the fall." <laughs> yeah, like he's just like, "So we are going to like kill Anna Rose, right?" He's like, "Oh yeah, no, 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 super going to kill Anna Rose." However, we're definitely just going to blame this stupid idiot and let her just get also killed because then you know no ladies to get in the way of our power. You know who cares. Yeah. Um, they cut to, uh, Reinhardt and Kilkeis talking about old times and stuff about, like, how they were having fun in their youth and whatnot. And, uh, oops, Kilkeis also brings up the fact that, uh, they have a note saying that Anna Rose may be tried to have assassinated in the future at some point. And it seems like everyone just kind of knows, yeah. too, is the thing. Like, everyone's kind of like, yeah, no, everyone knows Benamude is planning on killing Anna Rose. Like, just whatever. But, like, no one adds more security to her or anything. Like, Yeah, it, it's weird because, like, when he first had the nose, I thought, like, maybe Oberstein had dug some stuff up. But no, like, everybody in the court just knows that she has a mark on her head. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I have here that there's another scene with Benamude and Flegel talking, and then she's acting like crazy ex, and she seems to really depend on Flegel to do all the dirty work. She doesn't seem like she has any sort of contacts or anything like that, which means that Flegel's totally going to betray her, obviously. Yeah. Um, this is where we find Reinhardt stuck in, like, a conference call about, like, we lost our orb. How do we handle getting our <laughs> orb back? And, like, clearly Reinhardt is just like, I mean, we can just get it back whenever, man. Like, you realize we're, like, way stronger than the other guys. Like, you know that, right? Like, this shouldn't be hard. Yeah, Reinhardt and, and Kilkeis uh, wanted to be around Anna Rose at this time to protect her or whatever, but he has other duties, like this five-hour conference call from hell. Yep. And the guy on the other end is this old dude with a monocle, and he doesn't understand how the heck to set up a teleconference, and he doesn't <laughs> listen to Reinhardt at all. Can, can you mute your mic? Can you mute your mic, please? Keep, keeps on blaming keep the IT, mic muted. you know. Sir, please mute your mic when you go to the bathroom. <laughs> Sir, please. <laughs> just another, you just, in the background, it cuts back to Reinhardt for a second, and you just hear really loud pissing in the background. <laughs> it just, like, everyone just kind of collectively, calls. like, rubbing their head. The, yeah, the no, feed, I have too. Yeah, thank ringing. you, AT&T. It's just a feedback echo that just keeps growing louder and louder the entire time. 
Like, so. the best part is, I think one dude, <laughs> little little inside story here, I'm pretty sure he, like, took his headset with him into the bathroom, didn't mute it, and then, like, put it down, like, took it off his head and put it down closer to the <laughs> toilet. So, because, like, the pissing was really loud. Like, it was louder than him talking. It was this really quiet dude with, like, a, a little bit of a hard-to-understand accent and just, like, out of his mic, out of nowhere, after we haven't heard him speak for, like five minutes you just hear this super loud pissing it was so good <laughs> oh god we all started laughing it, it was oh yeah. are you pissing was, um no i'm uh, i'm in my office right now sorry i'm just making a lot of coffee very quickly <laughs> and pouring it at a high rate <laughs> so <laughs> anyway the conference call <laughs> uh during so as this goes on of course uh her car uh anna rose is going to like her house or something and uh, her car is captured by masks. Men, they have like comically silly masks on. It is amazing. I'm trying to think. They look of Robin the, Hoodish. It, the way to describe it seems them. like it's like part of it. It seems like it would be part of a Shakespearean production. Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. seems like it would be if they were having you know like a big masquerade party and someone gets stabbed in the back by the man dressed like a wizard or like something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's almost like, like this guy a had a bird face opera. mask. Yeah, it's like Phantom of the Opera style, like half face masks and stuff like that. And they're very theatrical. And yeah, they just immediately like point guns at the car and they they just, yeah, immediately kidnap her. So uh, Kilky Ice, I guess, somehow figures out that this is happening. Uh, he tries contacting Ryan, but Ryan's in his hell conference call. So he happens to find Mitmaya Runthal nearby and they uh, try going looking for it, going looking for Anna Rose's car. Uh, Anna Rose has been captured by... Uh, by the crazy ex and Flagle, and they are going to kill her with poison wine. I don't know why they wouldn't just shoot her. I guess their plan was to poison her with wine and then kind of plant her next to another it, dead commoner. Yeah. What, it, what like, it was, what it was specifically, is they were planning on having her die and then trying to make it look like her and some random fucking commoner were like running off and eloping, and she just like couldn't take it, so she killed yeah, so herself. Like, like that was the plan. Like I so get they were wanting to plant kill her, her body, holding the hands because they wanted to disgrace her on top of yeah yeah like, like, i get they wanted to, to kill sure. her but the whole disgracing thing i guess is just extra vindictiveness it was vindictive and also they wanted to make sure that like the emperor wouldn't mourn her i think was a big part uh, of it to benamude at least like she wanted to make sure that's that true that's a good point the emperor was like incensed about it and was just like ah fuck that lady like ah, she cheated on me I hate her. Benamude's Benamude? like they get swept up on the rebound like pick up the kaiser again yeah, like, don't forget, Benamude is very crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, very, very crazy. So, uh, Kilkiais, Rutenthal, Mittmeyer, they somehow find the house, which is kind of magical, but um, I have here, Rutenthal does an action roll. Um, a gunfight ensues as mm-hmm. they try to get her back, and that turns into a hostage situation. Uh, luckily, mm-hmm. Oberstein has been kind of skulking around, and he turns off the power, which allows them to uh, get Anna Rose back, though the other two do escape. Uh, Flegel and uh, Benamud. Oberstein knows it's Flegel. Um, he knows who did this. And while they couldn't really find him, uh, the, they do know Benamud was involved too. So the Kaiser just kind of sentenced her to death. Yeah, and it's like a really good way to hear. Like he's just like, the Kaiser has decided to sentence you to death, but as he is pretty chill, uh, he's going to let you drink your poison at your own will and your own leisure. So. Here you he go, also enjoy. said he's going to attend yeah. the funeral also, too, which was funny. I will go to your yeah. He's like the Kaiser, as he did love you, will go to your funeral and will be very remorseful when he is at your funeral. However, you are super dead here, and like after she, you know, starts freaking out and immediately, you know, because 
this is a time where it's reasonable to freak out, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would say this is a reasonable situation to be a little panicky. And, um, but she starts flailing around, and they just, you know, hold her down and make her drink it, basically. It's, uh, there's a couple funny things here. First off, it's funny that they get all these admirals to show up to her poisoning. Like, yeah, the, this yeah, is, the whole crew's really there. This like, is a huge yeah, ceremony like, hall full of dudes. Yeah. Like, everybody's there. Like, all the vice admirals and the commander of the, like, the commanders of the army are just, like, standing here in rank and file on the sides of the room to watch this lady be forced to be poisoned. Like, yeah. it's really fucked up. Like, <laughs> she, it's like, uh, like, it's like... <laughs> Like she stopped over sent out just like to... hey who wants to see a fucking poisoning at like 9 p.m it's gonna be sick <laughs> which reinhardt's even there standing at attention so she walks over spits in his face and begins cursing him out right before the poisoning <laughs> yeah she's just kind of like you blonde bastard ah, you and your dumb sister fuck you <laughs> like spits in his face and then yeah oh god it's good and so after this reinhardt goes and sees anna rose and he was expecting her to be mad at Benamude, but she just feels pity and uh, regret, I guess, that she would go so far as to do this. Yeah, and, like, it's important to remember, too, that Anna Rose is, like, not the most excited about her current situation. Like, she doesn't like this, you know? Yeah. She didn't want to be basically the Emperor's concubine. Like, she didn't want that at all. She got kind of captured and sold into it. Not super keen on the situation, so, yeah, it's understandable that she'd just be like man that lady actually loved him that's fucked up sucks to be her i guess yeah <laughs> like, uh, so that is the uh that's end of episode 11, 11. uh episode yeah. 12 starts out with the free planet alliance um it's kind of ins- it's it was kind of glossed over in the previous episodes with them but they seem to like have victory on the mind now since they won the fortress like in a miracle i guess of no bloodshed and whatnot they seem that they think that they can win the entire galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, kind of rubbing Yang the wrong way. He doesn't want to go do any more war than he has to. Um, he's talking this yeah, over... Yeah, Yang just kind of straight up is just uh, very upset at the whole idea. And like people, when they try and talk about like, okay, we'll be able to do this, Yang basically just raises his hand. He's like, we fucking cannot... <laughs> Like, yeah. we don't have enough shit. We don't have enough economy. We don't have enough guys. Like, we will lose. Please stop saying we should do more war. Thank you. Yeah, so he is with, I think it's Greenhill and Sydney in a car. And mm-hmm. they're going to some meeting of, like, admirals or something. And they run into a traffic jam. And while they are trying to figure out why the traffic jam's happening, they've realized that the guest central computer's down. But they uh, bring up the point where because the military is killing so many people and everybody who's, well, not smart, but it's brain-draining the rest of the economy. Yeah, and it seems implied through Yang and Lap and all their discussions that, like, it seems like higher education is kind of a thing only for the rich at this point. And if you want to have higher education otherwise, you kind of have to just go through the military. Go into the military. And there's a good chance you'll die. Everyone is going into the military. Yeah, like, they're basically just, hey, everyone who's, like, 25 to you know 40 is in the military like the only civilians are children and the elderly we can't get shit done anymore yeah so while they're uh while they're dealing with the traffic jam situation i think they hop in a helicopter or something yeah the other thing is that they uh, mentioned the the traffic system is down so there's going to be a four-hour traffic jam (laughs) welcome to the future like 
Yeah, and then they were like, why the fuck is there, like, why is it going to take four hours? He's like, well, because every fucking civil engineer is in the military working <laughs> on your damn spaceships. Like, that's fucking why, buddy. <laughs> I think it's also because down they the drive. one civil engineer in the area. He's retired. They seem to have a lot of self-driving cars, so that could also be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Musk. <laughs> anyway, uh, at this point, uh, I think it's when they transfer to the helicopter. We meet a guy named Leblo. Um, he is the treasury secretary of the entire like free plan alliance government and he and sydney are old friends uh so they kind of chat for a while about stuff but i guess they're going to a similar not the same building for the same meeting but like they're going in the same direction so they you know ride share or something like that so um we have a meeting of the civilian side of the free planet alliance's government talking and like trudent level and a bunch of other new people in the government are there uh, they start out with level of saying that the as the treasurer secretary is warning about economic collapse, it's like we can't keep building these multi-trillion dollar spaceships and having nothing else, you know, building it up. Um, he says that yeah. since they have the fortress, it'd be a good idea for them to sue for peace and try to get a peace, you know, to rebuild their economy during peacetime. Yeah. Um, he's friends with an HR guy who I don't remember his name, but he's saying that, like, yeah, too much of the talent's being consumed by the military. The birth rates aren't going to sustain this. They have pretty graphs and all that. Um, yeah, basically just saying, like, hey, this is not feasible for yeah, us the, as a country. Like, we will collapse internally if we keep trying to do war. The Trinity. guy who he was talking with was uh, named Huang Lewis or Huang, Huang Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and that's, that's a recurring guy. I remember him because his voice is very distinctive. Yeah. Uh, Trunet's there. He's obviously the Warhawk, as always. Um, he calls for more austerity, which is well, always what you need to do in times of war. Yeah, that's the thing, is there's a bunch of other people in there. And Trunet, I don't remember if he even really says anything. Maybe he does at the beginning. He says the one he line. He, okay. he says, like, one line. Yeah, he says yeah, one yeah, line about yeah. austerity. But there's another woman. I forgot uh, what her there's name is. There's a lady in there. Or, yeah, and she, she is incredibly pro-war. Like, mm-hmm. she kind of comes at it from... Uh, I don't know, like the almost like semi-religious devotion kind of angle where it's just like, we need to free these people. They yeah. deserve it. You know, what cost is what cost is too high to end a dictatorship? We have to bring democracy to mm-hmm. these, you know, these countries. It'll, it's super important that we definitely do this. And that I don't is, know what like cost is too high. And one guy's just like, I don't know, the whole economy might be a little too high. Like maybe, <laughs> like maybe we could chill for a minute. I think she's um, one of the people that's intruding political camp. And I think he's using her in a way he's using her zealousness of wanting to free the people of the galactic empire from their tyranny as a way to stay yeah. in power because they Absolutely. go up to a vote of whether or not they should invade. And Trudic actually uh, abstains or not abstains, but he votes no against it. Even though, well, like, there's a majority. And before, before it happens, like, it seems like everybody is being won to the side of, like, we shouldn't do war. Uh, it, like, it seems pretty clear that that is going to win the majority until that lady or, like, I think I think it was that lady, but it might have been someone else, like, pulls up a graph and they're like, all right, so here's the real shit, though. Like, now that we're all oh, done yeah, fucking yeah, around. Bring up the graph. So our approval rating, she's like, our approval rating right now is, like... Hmm, like 25%, not great. We're probably not going to get reelected, but if we have a major military win, I project that our approval rating will be 80% and we will super get reelected. Yeah, so, like, they did some like Cambridge analytics shit. <laughs> yeah, and everybody's like, well, uh, actually, being reelected sounds kick ass. I would like a war, please. So it seems like when they're thinking about the people and the country, they're against war, but then they're cowards 
who you know care about their seats and their own personal security and being in power more than anything yeah so else. i think so everybody ends up voting fight. for the war except for trunic levelo and whatever that uh, hr guy's friend. the treasury yeah. yeah it's the treasury secretary the hr secretary and then yeah true Trunic, who's just doing it as a political power play because he knew it was going to go through regardless yeah so, so he, he didn't want like, his vote I'll on the record and yeah he wanted to be able to abstain so that like down the road he could claim the, like, I was against this war angle, you know, if need be. So um, while that's going on, we move over to Yang. Um, he's talking with, I think, Greenhill Sr. Um, they introduce a guy by the name of Fork. Um, yes, just Fork. He is an up-and-coming, uh, I guess, military genius, they, they call him. He, and he has the one who has drafted the invasion plan. He was like plan. ahead of the class. Yeah. He seems like he was kind of like a command, like, a, shit. like an officer, officer school brat, kind yeah. of, to a certain mm-hmm. extent. Like, he's very convinced he knows his shit and he was top of his class. That means he's the best at everything and uh, doesn't seem to have the stuff to back it up. Yeah. yeah. Just he's, he's, and Yang gate. talk briefly and it's obvious that they all hate each other almost immediately because Fork is really... Pro, not pro war, but really aggressively. Well, he's um, the thing with Ford is through. he's trying. He wants to be a career military person, and he's basically looking to really hit a home run in, inside the war and really stand yeah. out. He is very pro this plan because he thinks it will make him look good and get promotions, yeah. and that is so unbelievably anti Yang that yeah, it, it, they immediately hate each other to yeah. the nth degree. Yeah. So uh, Greenhill tells Fork to leave, and Yang asks Greenhill um, what he thinks of the evasion plan if he wants to go through with it. And Greenhill sort of dodges the question, but it's obvious he doesn't like it, but he will do it because that's his duty as a soldier. And um, they get kind of start waxing philosophical about what to do because like, both of them don't think the plan coming from their government is great but they kind of have to do it. And I just put the verbatim quote of what Yang says here because I feel this is probably the thesis of the entire series. Is And I feel like it's something that really hits close to home as an American in 2018. Yeah. I feel like it's very much like a... Yeah, so mm, Yang says verbatim shit. here, the emperor with its few nobles ruling the masses is a bad government. The alliance with its government chosen by the people is badly governed. Which one do you think is wrong? And I feel this yeah. is like a no-win solution at this point. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Just kind of like, man, the Empire, that situation sure fucking sucks. Man, our corrupt-ass democracy, that sure fucking sucks. Man, this sure fucking sucks, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, so the, the other thing that um, the whole crux of Fork's plan, which I, I might add, he looks like York from Deadly Premonition with crazy eyes. <laughs> he kind of does now, you yeah. say that. But his, yeah. a, lot of his, a lot of his plan right now is to take the roughly 30 million soldiers i believe it is and push into the um empire's territory but the thing the problem that yang has with this is he is of the mind of pushing 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 and overextending himself and what yang points out is with the um the invasion plan that he's pitched um supply lines could get snipped very easily and also it's pretty easy to see that fork doesn't have an idea of how real battles work because when yang oh. said what's going to happen when your supply lines get cut or how are you going to yeah, know where this to was go at the, this is at the and, meeting they had afterwards yeah oh yeah and um forks just kind of like oh well um we'll react it'll be cool 
Yeah, so yeah, after that's one all of the this... biggest things is they clearly don't have a long term plan too. Like mm-hmm. he's like, oh, we'll invade and we'll you know we'll invade and we'll start going deeper into their territory. And then Yang's kind of like, okay. And then we're deeper in the territory. Then what do we do? He's like, ah, eh, we'll improvise. And he's like, that's not great actually <laughs> for a war plan. <laughs> also, also, I'm sorry, <laughs> I, did, I, I didn't I didn't notice a skip ahead. I thought that, I thought we sped past. No, that no, way. it's it's fine. Yeah, after they talk, Green Hill and Yang talk, there is a mass council of all the fleet admirals, and we're introduced to a ton of new fleet characters some of which who will be important in the future but the main the main plan is that uh, fork says we're going to send all 30 30 million men and all the ships and to the imperial territory and just kind of invade it but yet yeah, both yang and several of the other admirals kind of start picking apart uh fork's uh plan uh they call that it, yang pretty much calls it out as a political move uh but Fork seems to be a true believer of winning the hearts and minds. It seems that he's acting that anyway, if nothing winning else. Winning the his hearts and forwards, minds yeah. through bombing the people. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, um, what is it? Was it, um, was it Bucock who said, oh, it must be because we're in an election cycle. It was some, yeah. One of them says something about that. Yeah, I think that. it may have been like, Bucock. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's and hard to tell. Yeah, the room laughs, by the way. That's the other mm-hmm. thing. The room kind of like has a chuckle about it when one of them's just like, why the fuck are we doing an invasion? Well, election's coming up. <laughs> right, guys? And it's kind of like, yo, you should not. This is not a This is not the matter, things actually. you say aloud. <laughs> 30, 30 million people getting sent to a war is not really a thing to have a giggle about, folks. Yeah. And it's like very open and upfront. Like, again, it's just the case of like everyone fucking knows, man. But like systems is systems. We're the military. It's weird here, too, because like you said earlier when uh, Fork was talking about his invasion plan, it was because he wants to, you know, be a career politician. And that's true. But at the same time, when he was saying this to the uh, fleet admiral powwow, like it really seemed like he thought that by invading and liberating all these uh, Galactic Empire citizens, like this would be good. So, like, it, it kind of lends some sort of sympathy to him in a way that he's, what he's doing is wrong, but, like, he's delu- he thinks he's in the right, and that's kind of sympathetic. Yeah. To that he's respect. very misguided. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's the right description, but, like, Messiah Complex? Uh, I don't know if that's kind of too extreme, <laughs> but... Uh... He pretty yeah, much I mean, he pretty of. much thinks I will have this amazing plan and we and I, using my plan we will free these people and these people will think I am awesome because it's my plan. Yeah, yeah, it's very much a world police situation and wanting to be the hero of people who mm-hmm. do not desire a hero <laughs> right now. Actually, they're good. So uh, after the meeting of the admirals uh, wraps up, um, we get Yang talking to Sydney, and uh, Sydney knows he's on the way out win or lose of this plan like if they all lose everything he's obviously has to resign and if they win everything then someone else is going to take his position because he's retiring so he knows he's on the way out and he tells yang like this is the most important part of history for you you need to be able you need to be around to help win this because you're our best chance and the episode ends with them kind of setting up on the warpath again so the next couple episodes will be interesting to see where they go i i know that this series goes kind of between uh episodes strictly on the fighting and the strategy around that and everything to episodes of a lot of political talking and i think we're swinging in the opposite direction next week because i remember there's some battles yeah. coming up so and the thing is they do present it interestingly enough and like they tie it all well together in a way that makes it not feel like it's bouncing around too much yeah like it feels like they are one in the same like it's just small scale versus large scale but it's all very it's very real you know yeah, the also for the most part the episodes systems. are kind of cohesive towards either the political or the war aspect it doesn't really cut between yeah. the two 
Yeah, it's very smart about that. And it does the same thing with um, whenever it's non-battle episodes, whenever it's just like political intrigue and stuff on the planets. It very much is, this is an episode about the Imperial side. This is an episode about the Free Platinum Alliance, Freedom Planet Alliance. And, you know, it very much is split. It doesn't jump back and forth between yeah. them. When, we're, when we have Yang and Jessica talking about the anti-war party, we don't see Reinhardt that whole episode. Like, yeah, they're just it's not, not like involved. Game of Thrones or something where they're constantly jumping between, like, six different factions. It bounces every five seconds, yeah. yeah. So um, next week should be episode, what, 13 through 18? 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. So 17, 13 and 17. 17, yeah. yeah. Yep. Should be good. So thank you for joining us again and hope you show up next week for podcast of the Galactic Heroes again. We need some music. We do. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Quick ADR from Ty Tuesday here. Uh, Just wanted to ask if you enjoyed it. uh, Feel free to drop a review on Google Play or iTunes or whatever podcast handler you are using. Um, apparently that is a thing I am supposed to ask now that I do podcasts. So just windmill slamming that shit on the back end. So if you could take a moment and drop a review for your boys, that would be super sick, nasty, mad appreciated. Thank you. Have a great night.